It's 2002 and four teenage attendees of Stocksbridge High School in Sheffield decided to form a band. They were among good company as Def Leppard, The Human League, Hot Chocolate and Pulp had their origins rooted in the working class streets of the Steel City. The four teenagers were Alex Turner, Matthew Helders, Jamie Cook and Andy Nicholson. Turner, who was no stranger to music growing up with a music teacher father, was neighbours with Helders who learnt the drums as, in his own words, that was the only thing left. When we started the band, none of us played anything. We just put it together. They all had guitars and I bought a drum kit after a bit. The band were initially instrumental only, with Alex on guitar, Andy on bass and Jamie, who coined the name Arctic Monkeys, picking up the second guitar. As children of the 90s, they liked hip-hop, rap, Britpop and garage rock, but it was the way they put it together that was quite unlike anyone else. Rehearsing out of Yellow Art Studios in Neep's End, the band quickly found a sound and played their first gig on the 13th of June 2003 at The Grapes, located on Trippet Lane in Sheffield City Centre. Walking onto the stage to The Boss by James Brown, the band blasted their way through originals Ravy Ravy Club and Curtains Closed, before covering Fatboy Slim, The White Stripes, The Beatles, The Undertones, The Datsuns, The Vines, The Strokes, and ending with The Jimi Hendrix Experience. After a few more performances, the band began to record and started handing out an 18-track demo. As this was first given out at the Boardwalk, a bar-slash-nightclub situated on the corner of Snake Hill and Bank Street, fans dubbed the CP The Boardwalk, until it eventually became the legendary Beneath the Boardwalk. Fans began file-sharing the demo quickly, which gained the band a notoriety rarely seen for an unsigned act. BBC Radio and the British tabloid press began to pay attention, and the band released an EP under their own label, Bang Bang. The release was limited to 500 CDs and a 1,000 7-inch records, but was also made available on the iTunes Music Store. It wasn't long after that the band played the Carling stage at Redden and Leeds Festival and signed with Domino in June 2005. They were attracted to the Domino owner Lawrence Bell, who ran the label from his flat and only signed bands that he personally liked. From that point to now, the band went from Nicholson to Nick O'Malley, have released six studio albums, Whatever People Say and That's What I'm Not, Favourite Worst Nightmare, Humbug, Suck It and See, AM, and Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, with the seventh album The Car, set to be released on October 21st, 2022. They have over 7 million albums sold worldwide, 31.7 million monthly streams, a Mercury Prize, 7 Brits, 4 Gaffer Awards, an Ivan Avello, 22 Enemy Awards, 5 Q Awards, Global Tours, Olympic Ceremony Performances, Glastonbury Headliners, LA Parties and so much more. Arctic Monkeys are the band of a generation. In this podcast we're going to be studying each era, album by album, track by track, lyric by lyric and of course, brick by brick. We're Arctic Monkeys, this is Don't Believe the Art. That rock and roll eh? Sound means it's the end of the game. Time for the bonus question. Cheers, dude. That man just yawned. We're gonna call it uh, Don't believe the hype. Hello and welcome to Don't Believe the Hype, a brand new podcast taking a dip in the daydream that is the extensive back catalogue of Arctic Monkeys. I'm Nick Lee, and I'll be joined each week by my good friend Dan Hall to analyse the influences, references, and just have a general chat about the stories behind everything the band have ever done. And when we say everything, we really do mean everything. Dan, how are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm not you so sound, bad. I'm not so bad. You sound very well. Yeah, that's, that's very nice of you. No one, no one ever says that I sound well. They always say I sound like I'm half dead or something. So that's this is an improvement. I'll take this. I'll take this. <laughs> no, you sound you sounded enthusiastic. Yeah. Well, that's a step. We, we've got a seventh yeah. album coming around the corner. Sounded, aren't we? I, like <laughs> if I was going to say, I think that's why I'm also in a in a very good mood is because I've been able to listen to a new Arctic Monkeys song on repeat for the better part of three weeks. So it always puts me in a very good mood. Um, which nicely brings us on to. Um, <laughs> I was trying to do a smooth segue there, and didn't quite. Uh, didn't quite. I've been, I've been trying that. I've been trying that for years, and it never works. Before the opening titles, we heard your little potted history of the early days of Arctic Monkeys. So, yep. what I thought we could do is kind of go right back and kind of kind of tell people 
what the show's going to be about and kind of what we're going to be doing every week. Because I'm sure people will be tuning in thinking, what? how are they going to fill the weeks? But you're going to tell them right now how we're yep. going to fill the week, aren't you? Yep, they're probably thinking, um, you know, oh, they're probably just going to do an album, an episode, and just cram everything into there. And it'll that be would be the sensible thing to do. That, that would make more sense, but we feel we have more material than that because we're obsessive. <laughs> so uh, we we've spent our we've we've spent the better part of fifteen years preparing for this podcast, basically. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty much. That's about the size of it. So obviously, we was it about fifteen years ago that we met? Then it would it would have been, wouldn't it? I might be. Wait, let me do the math because I'm I might be making myself younger than I am, which I have a tendency to do. Um, for uh, no, actually, I think, yeah, about 17 years ago, I think so. It was 2006. I started working at a um, an un, I won't name, but a very large supermarket chain here in the UK, um, specifically in Stockport, which is a um, <laughs> which is a small town just outside of Manchester. Um, for those that don't know. It should be a should be a city, I'd say, by the size of it. I think you'd agree with that, but it's a town. And I started working there and met Nick, who we both worked on the fruit and veg department, I believe. I'm giving, I'm giving a lot of history here of stuff that people don't care about, but we, this is longer than the Arctic Monkeys history was. <laughs> but, <it's not. laughs> but yeah, um, we started working there, and then we bonded. What I was getting to was we bonded over our um, love of new, quite new band at that stage, um, Arctic Monkeys, who's, who I remember it was July 2006 that I started working there, so it... The Arctic Monkeys' first album must have only been out for like, I don't know, about six months or something at that point. Would you reckon? I think at that point, yeah, because I, I'd been off for four months because I broke my leg playing football. Um, and then, yeah, so we had the, we'd had the first album uh, and yes, we'd, had yes. the, we, we'd had Who the Fuck Are Arctic Monkeys by that point as well. So we were still, this was, this was before the yes. second album had even leaked. Yeah, because, um, so my. I remember us actually you mentioned that I'll touch on it briefly before we get there, but I remember when the second album leaked being in your mum and dad's house trying to listen to pirated versions of it on YouTube. But though you're all thinking like trying, why was it so difficult? This was two thousand six. Things weren't as uh savvy as they are now with YouTube and the internet. So I remember we had to wait a long time to get the full Brian Storm or yeah. Yes. Stuff like that. So yeah, I do remember that. But but my I think without in monkeys, my it started around, I think was it around, it was kind of 2005 when you first started to really hear about them, wasn't it? Um, I was still at school in my last sort of year at school. And um, at the, before Ice Monkeys came along, I was big into things like Blink-182 and punk and all that kind of um, sort of American sound. And before that, I hadn't really been into music. I'd been into, I think like the first single I ever bought was Wow Wow West by Will Smith. So that should give you an indication into Classic how of the genre. Of a, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't talk about him anymore, but you know, <laughs> that man, uh, it was his first single, I still <laughs> loved it. Uh, I was a big Spice Girls fan, and then um, I got into punk, Blink 182, things like that. And then I remember I started to change a little bit. I heard like the Killers, Hot Fuss, and I started to think, oh, I kind of like this, this different stuff. And then somebody, uh, well, I remember it was a it was there was a fateful night on. Um, I went to see um, uh, what's the band called that does the teenage kicks? Teenage kicks. What are they called? The Undertones. The Undertones. I went somebody. My I went with my family to see the Undertones. It wasn't the original singer, uh, Fergal Sharkey. It was like some other guy. I went to see the Undertones, and at that gig, we were in a bar before it, and my cousin handed me a CD, and he said, "This is a, a pirated album of a band." um that are gonna be huge and i was like oh right okay when you might like them called the arctic monkeys and thus as i took that cd the legend began (laughs) my life changed instantly (laughs) and here we are now um and yeah i became obsessed to say the least and then um i met you and you were equally obsessed um and we became friends over that and yeah so i don't know what can you remember your first hearing of them or how you came about with them it was, a, yeah, it's the same with me. It was around the same time. So it was, yeah, the Beneath the Boardwalk demos, which we will be talking about next week, dear listeners. So hang on to your hats for that. 
Um, yep, yeah, yep, I yep. was. So I kind of, I kind of grew up listening to like Oasis, Blur. I was a proper Britpop kid, but not. I like the music, but I kind of wish I'd been a bit older at that time. Actually, you know, living the cigarettes and alcohol lifestyle rather than having to like go to primary school and stuff. Yeah. And then, obviously, early two thousands, yep. it was obviously the the Strokes kind of went kind of bigger over here than they were in America. And then that kind of paved the way for the Libertines because up until then, the the chart, the top 40 charts over in the UK were just full of rubbish. It was just garage and break yep. the artful yep. Dodger, Craig David, that sort of thing. And then Libertines kind people, of people buying up. Will Smith singles. Yeah. Contributing to awful music. Degenerates buying Will yeah. Will Smith movie tie-ins. Uh, it's not all bad though, because the second single I ever bought was um, an indexed World Cup release. We're on the ball, so you know it's not all. It wasn't all crap that I bought. You should redeem yourself there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely <laughs> show about that one. <laughs> I kind of got really heavily into the Libertines, and then obviously when they split up in less than amicable fashion, like the, their their split was pretty much all over the newspapers on a daily basis. Uh, just kind of. It was kind of a gap. It was kind of a vacuum, and we needed a band to fill it. The, the kind of because I've always been, mm-hmm. I've been one of those who kind of, I'm kind of obsessed with this idea of the kind of being the band of a generation. So you've kind of got, if you start from like the Smiths, Stone Roses, Oasis, mm-hmm. and then like Libertines slash Arctic Monkeys are kind of like the next logical stop on that kind of cosmic yeah. bus ride for me um so it's the same yeah i was playing five aside with my friend five aside soccer as we call it here in the uk for the for the transatlantic listeners i was playing uh five aside and yeah just just coming back with my mates and walking back and my mate said oh have you listened if you listen to this like shared one of his headphones with me and it was the beneath the boardwalk album and then a couple of days later i remember catching a bit of the top 40 on the radio and it was all straight in at number one. It's Arctic Monkeys. I bet you look good on the dance floor, which I don't think people appreciate because yeah. of the state of the pop charts nowadays. I don't think people appreciate just how unprecedented it was that yeah. this band got into number one with no publicity. They didn't go on top of the pops mm-hmm. or anything. They didn't go on any of the TV shows to promote it. And to go to number one like that no. was just boom, mental. I, I remember it being very exciting. I remember that because they were kind of I've become obsessed with them pretty quick, and then I think they were on like the news and everything talking about it. Um, you know, talking about this because it was like the fastest debut um, album, wasn't it? And and single and stuff, and they were just everywhere. It was all very exciting. Yeah, like you say, no, they were the band of the generation. I think when you look back to that time and all the bands that were around that have now you know vanished, um, that just couldn't get past that point of. Um, you know, musically of, of progressing anymore, and that just shows the difference. With that's why we you know when people get some people, and I'm sure there'll be some people listening that do that that long for the old days, or or maybe um, aren't as um, keen on the newer stuff. Um, you know, the the reason they still exist is because they changed and progressed. In my opinion, they didn't just keep up that same trick. With they had more to them, and like I think we've said this before that you know the musical direction that they've gone in now isn't really much of a surprise when you um, dig into the roots of them or you've been following them for years, which hopefully, you know, we'll touch on as we go through this. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of our sort of both our histories that we, we started a band together because of Arctic Monkeys. Um, yeah. Not quite of a, a generational uh, talent as Arctic Monkeys were, unfortunately. <laughs> no, um, no, no, not quite. No, no. <laughs> no, no. No, not many people have heard of us. Actually, it's you know, bleh, you know, it's good to be um, underground. Um, but uh, yeah, um, we, just like Arctic uh, Monkeys, yeah, we, we we also refused to go on top of the pops, just as Arctic Monkeys did. So yes, refused and weren't asked at the same. The first band <laughs> ever to refuse and not be asked to go on top of the pops. Um, <laughs> which, judging by some of the past hosting of Top of the Pops, I'm glad for actually. I'm glad we took that stance. But I, um, (laughs) I, yeah, and also I think being the age that we were, um, is important because of that album, the first album and the lyrics and, you know, like going to town, um, going out clubbing for our transatlantic listeners, I say going to town, people might not 
no one's. Oh, they might do if you listen to Arctic Monkeys, I guess. Um, but um, yeah, that was just that whole. It was like you were living in a moment of, yeah. And someone was Alex was narrating that moment. It was very, very strange, actually, when you look back to that sort of coming of age that we were and going out and having those songs about that. Actually, I think that's probably even Oasis and things like that. I suppose wouldn't the songs weren't directly referencing your life for the most part, were they? So it was quite a strange thing, actually, for us to experience. I'd say. Um, to be going out living exactly what he's saying and getting those references. Yeah, was, I mean, going going back like to a couple of years before Arctic Monkeys kind of made it massive, I'd, I'd just done my GCSEs at school, which is the exams you do over mm-hmm. here when you turn 16 and leave secondary school. Um, and one of the, in, in our English classes, one of the things we had to study in the poetry module was John Cooper Clark. And oh, yes. straight straight away, I was just taken with this guy, this John Cooper Clark, absolutely ob- obsessed with him. It really pleases me that he's become a proper national treasure now, and he's kind of having this resurgence on like main. He's kind of he's on eight out of ten cats does countdown quite a lot. He pops up on Wood Allied to another panel shows. He kind of had this bit of a resurgence now, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is fully deserved. So when Arctic Monkeys it- came along, it was kind of like. Yeah this is and yeah. as we'll as we'll delve into over the coming weeks and months there's a real link there between between arctic monkeys and john cooper clark isn't there yes very much so um even in later albums we'll be able to delve into that um some people might i don't think a lot of people i've, I've you know i've seen a lot of stuff and I, we won't get into it now but that particular song that i'm referencing i don't think a lot of people know where that comes from or the story behind it but um stay tuned for that in uh, probably get there in about two years, so <laughs> look forward to that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's yeah, look up John Cooper Clark, anyone that doesn't know, um, just so you to give you a brief idea. He's kind of a is he, is he Manc? He's Manchester, is he Man- from Manchester? Yeah, which is an issue for some people, Salford. yeah, a very important distinction, as um, <laughs> the Joy Division as you might say, um, but. <laughs> He's actually in that film um, as well, isn't he? Just as a side note, um, in 24-hour party people, isn't he? We're doing his fucking chicken town. But yeah, no, definitely he, yeah, he was huge. I think I think one of the reasons that it's probably that if you're interested in that, that probably makes this, being able to do a podcast like this, I've always thought the reason I was more compelled towards Arctic Monkeys, apart from liking the music, obviously, was that i am always been quite interested in um, poetry and, stories like that and alex alex's lyrics are, have a little bit more depth to them i'd say than the average song like more witty and stuff in the first album but definitely from like humbug on there's there's a lot more <laughs> there to delve into isn't there in terms of like um sort of metaphors and the way he structures sentences and yeah kind of does things it's crazy but yeah but yes that's all obviously for the future so that's exciting stuff so i don't think we've said have we but the format really will be is we're gonna do um so and i suppose sort of an you call it an album but you could call it an era i suppose as well that we do so we'd we do um we're going to do beneath the boardwalk next week which is just we're just going to do the tracks off beneath the boardwalk that weren't released as a single or on the album so we're just going to do this kind of these very early demos basically of songs that you, you might not have even heard before um to some people but um and then we'll be delving into a track a week from whatever people say i'm that's what i'm not so we'll be doing um, the view from the afternoon first. And then when we finish the album, we'll be going through each B-side on a weekly basis until we reach the end of that era. And then we'll jump into the next era, which is the favorite worst nightmare and so on and so on. So if you were wondering how we get so much mileage out of it, that's why <laughs> we're doing an episode of track. For the, for the youngsters that are listening, the youths who might not know what a B-side is, uh, it stems from the early oh. days when when uh, singles used to be released as a vinyl record and the single would be on the first side, but then you'd have another side with nothing on it. So bands would normally record a B-side that didn't tend to appear on an album. And that's something that the Arctic Monkeys are kind of big proponents of in the modern day. That's made me feel really old that you just had to explain what a B-side is. (laughs) And it was already a bit of an old concept when we were younger, so it's made me even Mm. feel like doubly old. (laughs) But yeah, on streaming, of course, no B-sides. Well... Um, Art and Monkeys do tend that not many bands. I mean, they didn't really have any for the last album, did they? There was one, which is a, a song that uh, I know a lot about. We'll, we'll get there again. Stick around yeah. for a few years. 
Uh, <laughs> and you'll get to my take on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, I think the they do the, the, the reason we're including the B sides in with this is because I think Arctic Monkeys B sides are probably just as worth um discussing as the the album tracks for the most part yes absolutely yeah yeah it's it almost takes me back to oasis in a way for people unfamiliar oasis actually released an album uh called the master plan which was just b-sides and was better than most bands like (laughs) main albums which was kind of astonishing at the time that these songs were deemed not good enough for an album and have just gone on to be absolute classics and it's it's very much a similar kind of thing with I know it's alongside along in the Arctic Monkeys fandom, a lot of people are obsessed with a lot of the early B sides in particular. So mm-hmm. it'll be good to kind of revive some of those, yeah. I think. Yeah, they'll be good to speak to and we'll we'll be doing them um after we finish the album and then we'll do sort of a wrap up of the whole era where we'll discuss and have our um takes on our favorite tracks and things like that but but yeah no i I thought for a minute there you were going to say when you said oasis and then you you said um for anyone that doesn't know i thought you were going to say oasis were a uh four piece from uh manchester (laughs) (laughs) i don't don't know if you necessarily need to mansplain that to everyone um (laughs) or woman'splain but I, I think um, what we'll when you mentioned how at, at the end of each at the end of once we've done each album we'll kind of wrap up the era with a special episode. I think what we'll do with that special episode is yeah. invite our listeners to get in touch with some conversation points for us that can mm-hmm. give us their thoughts on what we've been saying and on that particular era. So if you do want to get in touch with us, yep. you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Arctic Podcast, and if you want to email us. Just email arcticmonkeyspodcast at gmail.com and that will bounce straight to us via the information superhighway, which is good, isn't it? Yeah. Probably not going to be more insightful than what we have to say, but we'll give you a try. We'll give you a go. That's all you can ask for. Give me a go. Give me a go. Give me a go. We might even uh, we might even set up the voice message facility as well. You can you can leave voice messages oh, yeah, on Anchor. So maybe we'll let people give us yeah. a little message. As long as you don't yeah. swear at us, like, clean. we've got girlfriends. We've got girlfriends to swear at us. We don't need you to do it as well. Yeah, yeah. Keep it clean. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, no, no ab- absolutely no. <laughs> do get in touch because um, I you know occasionally we'll post a little insight into a song and I always get some great comments on there. Um, whenever I do that, so it's always good to hear and some things that surprise me. So it's always good to hear other people. And also, I think people should be aware of the fact that the, that we hadn't seen each other for a few years, in particular before this. So it's not like the things that we're going to be discussing are kind of tired in a conversation between us. They're actually probably going to be quite a few things that we've never discussed. Um, so it's going to be interesting for us as we go as well. So it's not going to be kind of overly rehearsed and us pretending to hear an insight that I've heard Nick make drunk. 10 times already in the past year so yeah it's going to be fresh and exciting i I deliberately Um, didn't speak to you for 10 years just so we could keep this fresh yeah yeah it was who knew it was yeah that was all part of the plan yeah um and then arctic monkeys didn't even do an album for five years of that so they were in on it too (laughs) yeah but no it is exciting times obviously we we talk about the past i don't want to get too much into our sort of thoughts on arctic monkeys because i think there's a lot to mine as we go but Obviously, we're, we're, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that we are both fans of the, the newer material. And in particular, what do you uh, make of the new single that obviously came out a couple of weeks ago? I, I mean, I, th- I think it's different for us as, as like super fans, as like as super Arctic Monkeys nerds. It's kind of, um, <laughs> we've kind of seen, we've kind of seen the trajectory. We've kind of seen how the sound has evolved. So we weren't mm-hmm. shocked by it. But a friend of mine who hasn't listened since the first album was shocked and appalled by it. Um, he's like, oh, w- w- when did this happen? And this was just like, the first album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, went from, he went from not listening to them since the first album for 10 years to jumping into the Better Be a Mirrorball. I mean, that was yeah. a shock. Yeah, you're asking for trouble, aren't you? But well, that's it. You can, you can kind of see the signs of that kind of change mm. of sound from very early on, as we'll, as we'll kind of point out in the coming weeks and months, you can, you could see it coming. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not that much of a shock if you kind of follow things. Yeah. And I also don't think it's, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. It isn't much of a shock um, when you, and as we'll go, there's a, there's a song, in, one song in particular on the first album that I think 
was perhaps one of the early signs of this kind of sound but but um in a way there's you know there's as as you say with us being kind of super fans you know we, we it's one of those things where it's yeah we were prepared for it but even i like so for for tranquility bass even i when i first heard the the first track i was kind of shocked you know but then i think these albums they take just a little bit more listening to it's a bit more like you know like a sort of a more in-depth book or a film or something you've just got to give it a couple more tries and it's there's nothing wrong with that because there's plenty of bands that that are like that classic bands that they just take that where something like i am is just a little bit more um viscerally good as soon as you hear it you know it's it's exciting straight away so it's it's you know it's just about giving it a chance and going well i appreciate that some people won't like that but i would that that sound but i would hope that they would um stick around and and listen to our insights and that maybe we can change a few hearts and minds wouldn't that be nice yeah i'd uh, and also uh, you can feel free to send any feedback about um songs that you don't when we're doing them as well any negatives as well you know we've got a shredder no i'm joking (laughs) no but we will take any kind of uh oh sorry for any young people listening a shredder is a device that you use to uh discard a paper (laughs) just get that one out of the way paper used to be this thing that we had move on um but yeah (laughs) but yeah uh it's no no i think but yeah, we're, we don't want to get too much into the insights in a relationship, but I think it's good just to say that we're, we're both fans of that newer stuff and, and particularly the new single, I have to say I'm slightly obsessed with. I, I love it. Um, but as somebody who's always loved crooner music and maybe a bit of jazz and stuff, I am predisposed to the thought of Alex doing that is 10 times even more exciting to me. So yeah, yeah. I understand people that don't. I think we've kind of got the... Um, we will cover the various side projects. I say various side projects. We'll cover Last mm. Shadow Puppets as, as we go yep. on as well, which is kind of the fir- one of the first inklings of kind of kind of Alex kind of um, kind of producing these influences for people, sh- like showing what his influences are. This is a, yeah. for for an artist who's kind of shied, kind of always in the past, kind of shied away from talking about his inspirations and stuff like that. Starting the Last Shadow, Shadow Puppets with Miles Kane was kind of a point where he started like wearing his influences on his sleeve. And kind of telling people like doing curated playlists for spotify and that sort of thing where he's saying mm-hmm. what he's into mm-hmm. so if, if you've kind of taken yeah. what he's said on board and listened to the stuff then I, don't, I think the new stuff won't be much of a departure for you you'll, you'll see it coming yeah even down to like you know something like that um helders did that album where he did the drums it's, i can't remember what it's called it had a name they released a different one every year every different artist doing um their version of songs um, the name escapes me, but Helders did that back in the day. And he, you know, the, there was a thing at the start of it of Alex reading like a little story he'd written called The Choice of Free, which think, yeah. um, maybe I'll we'll play or I'll recite one day on the podcast. <laughs> um, yes. But uh, <laughs> but um, that's, you know, just little things like that, like you say, that just made him a little bit, yeah, you just knew there was something more there or there'd be a new sound. But definitely Last Shadow Puppets were that, or Submarine as well, obviously. But yeah, no, it's, I think, yeah, so we're going to be doing a different track every week. We're going to be going deep dive into each song. Um, this first one, just an introduction, a little bit more scattered. We're just kind of chatting about it here and introducing you to us. But um, we're, yeah, we're going to be doing deep dives in each song. So if you're kind of interested in, you know, finding things out or hearing opinions on on the songs or what you always wondered what that lyric might mean. And maybe we can try and add a bit of insight on that, whether it be right or wrong as well. Cause you know, there's nothing to say that what we think it means is, you know, arts conjecture, isn't it? So it's, yeah, it's just an opinion, but, um, but yeah, I think there was, I mean, less so with the first album and stuff, I think we'll be able to pretty much nail down what, what those songs are about, but, but later on, certainly, but just to kind of let you know a little bit more about us as well. Um, I was going to ask you, Nick, what is your favourite Arctic Monkeys song? And we should clarify this, as we've already said, that these do change on a daily basis. So it'll just be what happens to be Nick's favourite song today, as I'm sure a lot of Arctic Monkeys fans can relate to that. But what is your favourite Arctic Monkeys song of all time today? I'm glad you you kind of pointed out that it changed on a daily basis. But (laughs) I I think probably like four out of seven days of the week, It'd be Cornerstone, I think. It's mm. interesting. It, it came obviously. It was on album number three, Humbug, which was that was the first sign of them really starting to change the sound. I think. I mean, yeah. the, the first, the first in your face sign. Anyway, yeah. the the sound, the sound was really changing. 
but the first non B side, really, you could say, couldn't you? Uh, yeah. yeah. And it kind of, but it kind of retains the lyrical themes that they've had from the very start. That whole thing. It, it's, it's about being in love and being horny, which mm-hmm. is what he's talking about a lot of the time, which, which I don't think people really... Scarily a lot of the time. He's a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, there's, there's just something... You'd think of all the Arctic Monkey stuff, that's, that's the type of one you can get get bored of and it being a slower song and everything but seeing seeing videos mm-hmm. of them playing it live even recently it just seems to get elevated every time it's just it's it's fantastic it's and i, I, know, I know jamie cook jamie cook on the electric guitar ladies and gentlemen gets a lot of uh gets a fair bit of stick because mm-hmm. he, he might not be the most technical guitarist in in the same way that meg white got a lot of stick in the white stripes I think, I think, I think Jamie's yeah. Jamie, Jamie kind of gets gets a bit of a beating, yeah. but I, th- I think that the tone of his soul of his solo on Cornerstone is absolutely. I, I I love, I adore that song. Can't get enough of it. Yeah, I think Jamie gets a lot of stick, but he brings his own influences, and you know they're all they're all there for a reason. They all bring something to that, yeah. don't they? Um, as we'll probably get into as we go along as well. But um, but it's interesting that you picked that song. I think um for for a couple of reasons. One. Is that that on Humbug? That and Secret Door are the only two songs not produced by Josh Hom or Josh Homme. Yeah. They were actually produced by James Ford, the usual producer, probably for good reason. That you know they probably felt like those two <laughs> melodicy songs probably weren't right for you know maybe Josh to get his claws into. It's interesting for a second reason in that my favorite Artie song, <laughs> yeah, four times out of. I was going to say four times out of five then. I'm getting all Arctic Monkeys in my head. Four days out of four days of the week would be Suck It and See. So it's interesting you went for Cornerstone because Suck It and See is another melodic song, you know, that is, uh, it's not an under the radar song. It's a very big song of theirs, but it's it's just, for me, that, that song is their best melodic piece that they've done in terms of, lyrics and technical and a feeling that whole out like so just to say as well my favorite album is the suck it and see album which is not probably one that a lot of people maybe go for but it's just that sound that melodic sound it just always makes me happy and and it has that sound of summary and i just think his lyrics on that are spectacular um as well i'm very excited to get into that album you know it's kind of got the breakup and love songs that i think it under he doesn't get the credit for some of the lyrics on the album relating to love and sex and breakups and things like that when if it was like ed sheeran singing it or something you know get the credit but but yeah i don't think they get that but um but yes that's my favorite um album i think i know what your favorite album is but would you like to reveal yeah it's purely based on the reasons we spoke about before it's it's whatever people say i'm that's what i'm not purely because it, mm-hmm. I, 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 I mean, it sounds kind of pretentious to say it changed my life, but I, I, I think it did. Just that, that kind of that sort of moment in time where mm-hmm. you you live in an album. That's yeah. it. I, I kind of. But at no point, at no point when it came out, did I think they'd still be singing about those themes in like fifteen years' time? Mm-hmm. Unlike some, <laughs> so that's something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I can completely um yeah as i was saying before about that we were living it in the moment so it adds that you know it's it's not an album i don't put it as my favorite but it nostalgically absolutely it's my favorite album of all time to to remind me of a time and a place certainly but it's um but again interesting that you picked that one and i picked suck it and see because i think that aside from the early album suck it and see is probably the wittiest one as well lyrically after that and he really went back to a kind of wittiness in there i think um, which he always has to be fair it just was more prominent in this yeah, I can see why that would be your favorite. I don't think it's pretentious to say it changed your life because I think there's there's plenty of it, people think it's pretentious to say that because it's Arctic Monkeys. If for some reason you're not allowed to say stuff like that about them, I find in the in England anyway. Whereas you know people say Oasis changed their life or the Stone Roses changed their life all the time. So, but I, I definitely think it did, and it does remind me of a time and a place as well. So I could see why that would be your favorite. But with with you saying yours is suck it and see, then I mean. How did you feel when? Obviously, I think if I remember rightly, the first first preview that we got of that album was Brick by Brick, <laughs> which is which 
uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get into the background <laughs> when we cut co- when we cover that song, but just. Just in in short, it basically <laughs> Alex yeah. basically challenged himself to write a song with as few words in it as possible, and and just that that, 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 yeah. that sort of came out of it. It was a troll, wasn't it? Really, when they dropped that single, because people were so furious about humbug, um, a certain yeah. section of the fan base, we should say, boo. But uh, no, they 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 were you know they were yeah very down about humbug, and then the, the next single you're gonna hear for the next album is brick by brick. You've people have just lost their minds and just thought, oh my god, um, <laughs> you know this is insane. It. I can't believe how bad they've gone. They've lost it. Yeah, they've completely lost it. Um, and I thought, you know, I think because I hadn't ever left them, and because I'm so entrenched them, and you watch all the things, and you, you get an idea of their sense of humor and who they are from things they did, like Brit Awards speeches and. And remember, Matt Helders used to release those little Helders clips on tour and stuff. You get a sense of the comedy that they have with each other, and I could—I think I just sensed that it was a joke. And that's what you know what I mean. And I think that's what I love about them is that they don't really take themselves too seriously, and they do um, have a laugh with it. You know, that second see album, some of the lyrics are insane, funny that nobody could get away with writing except Alex. You know, like just um, don't sit down because a movie chair, for example. The lyrics. Well, that, that was that was the uh, that was the first the, single, wasn't um, it? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. So again, people heard that and thought, "Oh my god, you know what's going on?" But, but um, that, I just find that whole era really exciting. It's what led to um, what came after as well, I think. But, but that, uh, <laughs> and I should say as well, in terms of an exciting moment, as we're talking about moments, is um, I remember specific, very specific, the moment that "Are You Mine" came out, and I remember hearing it and being so, and just thinking. As much as I love them and I know what they're capable of, this song is just the most fucking coolest song I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like, this is just so cool. And the video is so cool. And it's like they'd just gone into the stratosphere at that point. And I was like, yeah. wow. Even I couldn't have just, it was just a pure rock. Like, even any people that don't like them like that song. You can't not like that song. It's just a cool song. So, yeah, that was a moment as well. They've always provided me with moments. So, <laughs> Nope. And that the the Are You Mind video as well, they, they kind of invented carpool karaoke oh. as well. So t- take that, Corden. <laughs> take it away, boys, that guy. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Uh, it wasn't long after that either. and wouldn't put anything past Corden. It would steal it from them. And also, great mentioning Corden, great awkward last Shadow Puppets interview with Corden as well uh, during the last album. Really awkward. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, they did, didn't they? And and I should also say um, that the the Are You Mine video is my favorite video, since we've already touched on it. And I just think that video was just such a moment for them. And the whole video is designed around showing that Alex had a new tattoo and he had a new haircut. That was basically what that whole video was was oh, for. Uh, yeah. Um, and they had a new model girlfriend and they were all having a great time in LA and why not? But there is also a live video of Are You Mine shot in South America, which is an excellent video as well. It's like a one shot following them around the stage, which is just Amazing. an insane video as well. But yeah, my favorites. What, what What's your favorite Martin Monkeys video? Because I always remember they were always a, a good one. They were always an exciting when the single came out in the video, that was always exciting. Yeah, this was it because they were always straight from the start. They were always very in control of. I, I don't want to say the brand, but I, I say that the, their image. You know, that it was kind of it was always carefully curated. I mean, from getting Shane Meadows involved yeah. right, on, on uh, for fluorescent adolescent and stuff, and you just you just think like some big big name actors as well, like Paddy Considine, who's currently. Absolutely smashing it out of the park mm. in the game, the Game of Thrones prequel. Uh, Stephen Graham, it's just just big. Uh, Rich yeah. of course, directing videos as well. It's just, they got into bed with all yep. the right yep. people. And it's just, uh, but in in terms of a favorite video, I see part of me can't look past. I bet you look good on the dance floor because it was just. I mean, to start with the words, "Don't believe the hype," just showed such a level of self awareness early on and the kind of the old grey whistle test aesthetic from it as well kind of it, it got it to the stage where my mum liked it because mm-hmm. <laughs> she grew up watching the old grey whistle yeah, yeah. test and, and stuff like that but um i think i, think, I don't, I don't want to say cornerstone again because i've already said it i've already said it from a favorite song but the cornerstone video is just an absolute masterpiece 
like how to, how to make a music video on like 50 quid <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you don't need a big yeah, budget yeah, yeah. to make a, yeah. a, a memorable music video. And that, that was kind of the the first time. In fact, that, that may actually have been the first time. Because most of the videos were, the band were in it to a minimal extent. They weren't popping up in the videos as much. But this was ju- just Alex for like three minutes or so. Which is <laughs> never a bad yeah. thing. That's always good. Never, never. Uh, and they did a lot of videos that were like that, didn't they? In the early, I should just say though, for anyone that doesn't know what the old grey whistle test is, it was a show on the BBC in the seventies, hosted by paedophiles. No, I'm joking. Cut that out. Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was a show uh, in the seventies where bands could showcase um, their music. Uh, well, it was it was kind of like a cooler top of the pops, wasn't it? In a way, yeah. Because on, like on old grey whistle test, they they, could play, they played live on there, whereas top of the pops was miming. Mm. So old grey whistle test was like the probably. Yeah. The closest thing to it now is Later with Jules Holland, which, incidentally, when I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor hit number one, they didn't do Top of the Pops, but they did Later with Jules Holland, and they did did an interview on Pop World with Simon Amstel. So that kind of also, (laughs) with the Simon Amstel and Pop World thing, it kind of shows you what their sense of humour was, that they were kind of, you know, into the the kind of ironic taking the piss out of themselves kind of thing. Yeah, and that whole interview is that, isn't it, really? It was obviously yeah. just a big piss take. And I think, again, people then labelled them as awkward to interview, but I think I think if you know them, you know that probably Simon Amstel was in on that, and it was yeah, it was on purpose, wasn't it, to be a bit awkward. But, Especially but, um, as we're both, we're both fans of Simon Amstel as well, and kind of knowing, knowing, knowing well, what Well, it was like, all yeah. that stuff is... Anyone that was a part of that time here in the UK and and that we referenced going out, but also that Simon Amstel and Rich Iwad and all these things were were just a part of that. It was just a huge. That was the zeitgeist at the time, wasn't it? That was just everything was going on. And I think as well the Better Look Guns the Dance Floor video kind of invest like that. And I just think yeah, they tap, really tapped into a kind of a working class thing with that video as well. It was weird just the way it was shot. They they said a lot with that one video which which you know set the stall out for their career really didn't it um they they know how to control their own image and who they are which is one of the things yeah right from day one which is why we called the podcast don't believe the hype because it was a good mantra for them to have where it all started and and that's exactly where we're starting which i think was the best place to start from the start is probably the best place to start like historically Mm, usually wait was it are you doing a lyric then was there a lyric? Were you trying to oh. get a lyric out then? No, 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 no. I'm saying there's a lyric saying, right? that. The... Oh, no, sorry. I was middle, thinking of middle of adventure. This will happen quite a lot, people. Yeah. It's just, just like, <laughs> you know, the, 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 um... we, we will accidentally just segue into <laughs> Arctic Monkeys lyrics and just general wondering, I think. It's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. And I think anyone that wants to listen to this will understand that. I think they'll do it on a regular basis. But it's a nice segue into... Um, now, this is an impossible task, so I went a bit around of your favourite lyric. I picked one, and I picked it for a reason. It's not my favourite lyric. I'm just going to say that now. There's far too many. I could spend all day looking at them and change my mind, you know, on every song, probably. Different lyrics I like for different reasons, but the one that I went with, and the reason I went with it for is... Um, so the, the lyric that I went with is... The next time that I caught my own reflection, it was on its way to meet you thinking of excuses to postpone now obviously from crying lightning i picked that lyric because i think that w- that was the first song that we heard zane Lowe, another person from that time uh, good friends with them um zane Lowe played it um before humbug came out and it is that's kind of heard that and everyone everyone still loved that was before people disliked humbug and people thought wow what a tune um because it is but that lyric was the first time that although i knew he was a great lyricist that he did something where he you know, and it'll be something that I'll reference a lot, probably a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Well, sound like Silla Black. <laughs> For our younger listeners, Silla Black. I'll reference it a lot is that he, he'll instead of just writing a lyric, somebody might write, which is, you know, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that I was agreeing to see you again or something like that. You know, obviously, it'd be better than that. That's crap. <laughs> but something like that. He takes something that you could hear quite um, mundanely and he twists it and he changes it and he creates an image in your head which is um you know the next time that i caught my reflection it was on its way to meet you it's just this really different way of saying that 
same line you know for example he does it again in arabella when instead of just saying she um i'm wrapped round she has me wrapped around a little finger he says she has a helter skeleton on a little finger and i ride it endlessly he just changes it and makes it into something else and puts an image in your head and i just think he that was the first time we heard him do that to that extent so that's why i picked it as a favorite lyric and I hope that makes sense. That makes complete sense. I mean, it does to me, and it probably it probably will to the listeners. <laughs> yeah. The people listening are going. Oh, well, I didn't realize it would be this nerdy. <laughs> These two losers. <laughs> you probably Alex is probably listening, going, "Jesus, I didn't realize people took it this seriously." I don't think Alex is listening. He doesn't. He, I don't think he owns a computer or <laughs> a phone or anything. Yeah. Maybe after Tranquility Base, he decided to buy a computer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well. It, Remember that time he got Famously, sucked into a hole by a handheld device? Hey, we did it again. That's the third time in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're gonna need a buzzer, like a little like every time we say a lyric. Yeah, just, yeah. Thing, yeah. To go up, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. So, what's your? Um, did you did you go for? Did you have a favorite lyric? Which obviously isn't your favorite lyric, but you know. So I was I was I was thinking about this today, and I was going to go for. I launch my fragrance called Integrity. I sell the fact that I can't be bought. Because not only is it just a cool little concept, but it's Arctic Monkeys. They they can't be bought. You know what I mean? It it is them all over. They're in control of their own thing. But in the end, like kind of fitting in with the theme of this introductory episode, where I've kind of, I think I've displayed my love for the first album. Uh, there's only music, so that there's new ringtones. I, d- I just mm. couldn't get couldn't get I couldn't get past that at the time, and I still can't now because, because that <laughs> that was yeah. for, for an album that was rooted in truth. That was rooted in truth even more than everything else because that that was the case at the time. People would have a song as it, their yeah, ringtone. Yeah, it really was. But people, it, yeah, pe- people won't even understand that now, will they? But it really did. It really was. Especially when you're from a particular area and around certain types of people, it was. That was what it, it, it was at the time, wasn't it? My phone's term, been on camp, silent camp, for like yeah. 10 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> do not disturb. That's my that's that's what that's what's gonna be on my um epitaph on my gravestone. Do not disturb. <laughs> Leave me alone. Uh, if you, if it's not a new Arctic Monkeys release, don't bother. There's so many lyrics I could have picked from a certain romance. There's just so much I could have picked from there, but but listening yeah. to it again like this afternoon, that yeah. just keeps jumping out at me. No, we're gonna have a good time when we get to that that song. Um, I think, yeah, definitely. But no, I can get that. And um, your first, the first one you said as well, that um, you know, that that's one of my favorite lyrics off that album, um, "Fragrance Called Integrity." But you know, who always whenever I hear that lyric, like the image I get in my head instantly, even from the first time I listened to it, was um, David Beckham. I, like for some reason, whenever I hear that line, I just get David Beckham with an aftershave. I can imagine David Beckham releasing like a integrity by david beckham and it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah just the pure pure irony that he isn't getting you know um <laughs> but yeah that's who i just i think of those sort of celebrities and the yeah but we don't have to delve in too deep into it because we will be doing that eventually anyway it's interesting that the contrast uh, between the lyrics that we've both picked there because the one i've picked from mm. a certain romance is just you, you know what he's saying straight away but you can just see him getting more and more abstract, you know, getting to the point where you're having to think. Yeah. And there are I mean, various interpretations of stuff. Yeah, it's a difference between sort of clever, witty lines in the first one that are, that are just really clever and, like, you know, even something like, you know, his bird said it's amazing, this wall that's left is the proof that love's not only blind but deaf, you know, wow, what a line. And to get into, like, the later stuff where, like you say, there's just there's a little bit more depth there and he's kind of hid a, he's hid, he's hid the reference in a metaphor or and then twisted it and changed it and yeah i think there is a quote i will find it It, i think it was alex turner explaining how john lennon writes lyrics in his solo albums and the way he described john lennon style of writing lyrics is exactly how alex writes lyrics from humbug onwards and i i will try and find it so this is Alex on John Lennon. He said about Come Together. I've heard that song a thousand times before, but there's not one word in that song that logically leads into the next one. It's all a jumble. But it's not that if you know what I mean. He paints you a picture and puts you in this place. He's got a way of leading you somewhere with these unusual words that don't make sense, but also make perfect fucking sense, which I think Absolutely quite nicely on, yeah. describes um, Alex, I'd say. Yeah, you mentioned how you're mine earlier. 
and I think that was yeah, it was that was the one where he mentioned taking inspiration from a lot of rappers, where they'll kind of they'll kind of set something up and then have it in the next line. So it was um, puppet on a string, Tracy Island. Next line, time traveling diamond, and it's yeah. that, just that, that picking influences from everywhere. So at first, from, you know, as you've pointed out, from John Lennon, one of the greatest lyricists and musicians of all time, and then picking it from rap. And the rap thing obviously comes across a lot in the first album as well. The kind of it's clear they're listening to like Dizzy Rascal and Roots Maneuver, and Dizzy Rascal fits into the Turnerverse yeah. as well because it, it, he'll be he'll be coming up as well. Oh, we'll get to Dizzy. We'll get to Dizzy and just to to tease people on Dizzy, there's a a, a great night, a great story about a karaoke evening with Dizzy Rascal. So you just wait for that. But yeah, we'll get to Dizzy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no, I think, yeah, yeah, hearing his thoughts on stuff. And that's a great example of the Are You Mine one because it is what he said about rap and how that, yeah. Because again, he could have just said, um, she's got me like a puppet on a string, but he takes the metaphor and then he flips the words around and yeah, creates a real image with it. Um, so he certainly crafted that skill. And to go back to what we were saying about how hard it is to do those kind of lyrics that he does, you know, like, so I will tell this story. It's a bit embarrassing, but I will tell it because I think people might find it funny. But when I was in... um a band another unsuccessful band uh <laughs> it was around the suck it and see time and obviously in suck it and see he says um the about the um you're rarer than a can of dandelion of burdock and all the other girls are just post mixed lemonade great and i wrote a lyric that was something like you've got me feeling like superman on lucas aid or something like that now when alex does it it's really cool and he does it really well when i did it i got laughed at in the recording studio by fellow manmates and told to change that lyric <laughs> so you know there is a certain way to do it <laughs> yeah. it's, it's almost like Some there's people... a difference between you and alex it's not fair well you know one day he'll realize that um he needs me to write better lyrics <laughs> um yeah there's, there's a slight difference i wouldn't say you know it's a huge gulf between us. But yeah, no, that was that was my attempt at doing that kind of... I think the reason why we were so unsuccessful in bands is because I was only just trying to be like Alex rather than finding my own voice, which is the problem with being too obsessed, I suppose, isn't it? Oh, plus that's lack of I... talent. That was another huge factor. I think that's why, uh, that's why Little Man Tate didn't last. Ah, <laughs> oh, bless him. Well, we'll do a... Um... I'm sure there's a little Montate podcast out there, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. I'm deciding that that would be a good podcast, just going through like all those one songs from the early 2000s and just seeing how they like how they land now. Um, in, I'll play them to youths of today. Yeah, yeah. Go and just making young people now that like the 1975 and stuff listen to it. You know, um, <laughs> this, this was great at the time. But yeah, what was your um, what's the your f- best gig you've ever been to? And we, I should say by the way that we have been to two, three. No, I want to say three. I'm going to say three Outer Monkeys gigs together. I believe. I yes. believe. Yeah. I know we went. I know we went to the cricket club, which was in Manchester, which was an all-day event featuring yep. such acts as the Parrots, the Coral, Amy Winehouse, um, and uh, Supergrass and Arctic Monkeys yeah. back in the favourite worst for, nightmare era. Twenty-five yep. quid, yeah. twenty-five English pounds oh, for yep. all. Of, was, you, you couldn't see one of them for twenty. Well, you could see Amy Winehouse. Dream, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we we saw. We went to that together. Um, we also saw them at the GMX, and I think we've been at the arena together. It might have been the Suck It and See tour. I think, I think, I think, I think it was. I think we inadvertently were there at the same time because you w- met up with someone who we both know as a mutual friend, and we, it was a Suck It and See, wasn't it? Album, which, as we know now, was my favorite era. But what was your favorite gig that you've been to? That I've been to. It would have to be the Cricket Club. Of Monkeys, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say I could be around. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it'd have to be the, the Cricket Ground. Yeah, because that, that was. Not not to say they're not top of the game now, but they, they just had that that swagger where they, they just weren't bothered. They just had two albums of absolute tunes and, and just came out yeah. top of I mean, I, I'm a sucker for like an all-day outdoor gig anyway. Like, it, it's hard work to find kind of an, an outdoor all-day gig that I've not enjoyed. But that was just mm. just peak out. And obviously, obviously, that was... I think that served as... The Manchester gig for the favorite worst nightmare tour. There was no arena gig like there was now. There was it was no, it no, was the cricket the, ground, and then the GMX not long later. Yeah, the GMX was that same album, wasn't it? 
if you recall, obviously was the Apollo as Horace, well. You've got booed off stage. Um, yes, and Alex Turner yeah, introduced D, I, D is for dangerous by saying D is for dickheads throwing shit at the others, which has, <laughs> did, has, yeah. has, has stuck in my head <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> no, I remember that too. Yeah, the GMS was a good one. Yeah, I don't want to talk about live at the Apollo because we foolishly didn't go <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was yeah the GMX was a was an interesting one. If do you remember as well that we were furious because we went to there's a there's a club. If anyone ever comes to Manchester, there's a student club called the Venue where they had the have the after party. You know, it's not really the after party, but the after party. And we went and we found out that the night before because they played two nights at the GMX. The night before, I think Monkeys and the Horrors had come. To the venue so if we'd gone to the gig the night before and then gone to the venue there's a strong chance we would have actually met them which Still you know i'm kind of glad I, don't, I think yeah i don't know what i'd say i always think this when you when i meet him i'd probably just go like uh, uh, i love you yeah 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 in my head i'm gonna go oh i think that um actually some of the lyrics on humbug are um some of the one of a generational <laughs> kind and pull out a list and start sit down with him and have a cup of coffee and like go through the lyrics and my interpretations of him and he'll go wow great do you want to be mates and we'll go and talk <laughs> together and yeah <laughs> but um i just literally just go I'd probably throw up or something but yeah no that's um that was a good one. My favourite gig was actually it was uh, another outdoor gig all day one. Unfortunately, you weren't there that I know of. But uh, Don Valley in Sheffield was um, a monumentous gig. I would say uh, best gig of my I've ever been to ever. I would say because it it was just this time four a.m. So before they kind of went into that next level of of global fame, and we you know they they played every song. They played every song. It was magical. They they played every song. Miles Kane came on stage on a motorbike, uh, on a Harley Davidson to do five oh five. There was a glorious moment where me, um, we, me and a friend, we bumped into a guy who was on his own, and we just all were so happy to be together. And he turned at one point. He went like, "Humbug's my favorite album," and I was like, "I love Humbug too." And I was like, "Yeah, fuck everyone else. They don't love Humbug, do they?" <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> and then it, there was a moment when they played every other song. And Alex said, this is our last song. And they, they play, I literally, I turned to this random guy, never met him before, and I went, oh my God, they, but they played every song but this. And he was, he went, yeah, they played every song. It must be. And then the drums to a certain romance started and we both were just like, ah, just, yeah, amazing day. Amazing day. To be in their hometown as well, obviously, uh, and stuff. Yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better better day than that best gig I've ever been to. How, But I am still very upset about Live at the Apollo. And my, but my biggest probably, if I could go to a gig, it would have been Glastonbury 2013. Is my favourite gig that I've seen on TV that I wish I'd been at. That was going to be my next question because I'm, I'm very conscious that we're like very close to an hour, so we'll we'll have to get yes, close yes, to yes, yes, wrap it up. up. But but that, that was some the next to be question. Done. Is like of, of all the gigs, which which is the one that you didn't go to that you were, and that that was just a band at the peak of the powers. Alex Turner settled settled into who he was. He kind of adopted this this new persona, this this mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. on stage persona in in kind of in kind of the same way David Bowie did so many times over his career, and it was just yeah. I know I know it, it kind of made a lot of the more casual fans and casual observers they they kind of cringed at it a bit. But that was just a band at the peak of the power. Just I don't know why though, because because AM came it, out as well. Yeah, yeah. Before AM, that's the amazing thing about that gig. It was before AM. It's easy to the, forget that. But they opened the gig with a song that hadn't come out yet. They, they opened it with the <laughs> yeah. and, and everyone like knew week. what it was though. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knew the riff though, because it's just that kind of riff that you just know. Like it's it's an incredible riff, Airworm. But um, but yeah, no, I I. I I think with that, I can kind of get where some people that don't know might cringe at certain things and not get what they're trying to do. But I think with that, I don't think there was anything in that performance that wasn't, that was cringeworthy, I'd say. I'd say it was a perfect set almost. And, you know, a little joke about he's going to go into, because Chris Martin's at the side of the stage and he goes to play yellow and stuff. It's like, yeah, it's very self-aware, not not taking himself too seriously. But yeah, no, as we've gone on a while, I suppose just to, just to kind of wrap it up, do you have a, um, this is a very hard one to answer, but I've kind of, pulled one out again not wouldn't be oh, it wouldn't be you know the same every day again but your sort of favorite musical moment we talk a lot about the lyrics but we haven't kind of referenced a favorite musical moment 
while you're thinking, I'll I'll give you mine. Yeah, go um, on. Yeah, give me give me some yeah. inspiration here, man. Oh, so mine, my favorite musical moment that I could think of, because I didn't, I want to give someone else some props because we talked a lot about Alex. So, but don't worry, as we go through this podcast each episode, we will delve into every band member's performance in that song and give them all equal dues. It's just easy on a overview to talk about Alex more. In Pretty Visitors, the drums, I mean, the verses and the choruses are basically just a drum fill. The whole song is a drum fill. There's no normal drum beat in there. Every single drum you hear is some kind of drum fill, which I've never heard that kind of the way Alex is sort of doing his singing, rapping over what is just a drum fill. Like, and yeah, I just think the drumming in that song, I think the drumming on that album um, is phenomenal. But um, yeah, that will be my favourite, I'd say, musical moment, old Helders. I don't think Helders gets enough respect from kind of like the wider... Absolutely not community of music fans I, I i mean he's he's drummed for p diddy for lady gaga for iggy pop that is a man who knows how to change it up when he needs to and i, I, I think yeah he, as, I think as he's, much as we're clearly yeah. massive fans of alex i, I think you're going to see as this as this show kind of progresses and evolves i, I think we're going to be showing a fair bit of love to the other band members who deserve all the oh, yeah. in the world we'll yeah absolutely we'll equal love for all yeah, Pretty Visitors is peak held. I think Pretty Visitors and Brian Storm for me are those two helders, mm. that helders led tunes yeah. that are just like, yeah, you've you've got it, mate. You, you've got the balls. Yeah, you and it will delve into, into this, but, you know. <laughs> well, as we delve into more of the newer stuff as well, I think cause a lot of people ever get upset that helders isn't as um, prominent. They they say so. As we get into that, we can discuss that and my thoughts on on how he actually is more prominent than you think. But but yeah, we'll definitely be going for each member. I think each member will get his fair dues. I think we love all of them equally. And, you know, we could say stuff like that, I, you know, just to throw, just to give people that idea that I think as much as I love the first album, I think the band wouldn't be where they are now without Nick O'Malley joining and his bass style. Um, and, and yeah, and Jamie, I love Jamie as well. So yeah, we'll, everyone will get their dues. So yeah. I've, I've, been, I've been having to think then, Matt, uh, in terms of musical moment, mine mine's quite a silly one actually compared to yours. You, you've you've backed yours up, and yours <laughs> yours is a proper like yeah the, the kind of muso's opinion. It's like yeah, I know my music, and this is my opinion. <laughs> mine, mine, mine weirdly yeah, enough. Lovely, I mean, yeah, yeah. Go on. Well, c- compared if you to wanted mine, me to get if you. It, well, I could have done this. My backup was if I felt like I wanted to change it. My backup was this, which is that um, I think that in the latest single, Helder's drumming is actually more inspired by jazz music, and those drums are much harder to do than the earlier stuff. So he is more prominent. That would have made me sound like a dick. So you're lucky that yeah, I went yeah. with Pretty Visitors. So. Yeah, it's just, it's, just a, it's just a good job you didn't say it, isn't it? Edit, edit that. Yeah. Edit that. <laughs> I'll stick that on the list. Um, so mine, weirdly, <laughs> is it's it's a little three second bit in Balaclava off Favorite Worst Nightmare. Now the Shaggers oh, perform wow. and the daggers are drawn. Who's the crooks in this? Do 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 do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is a very good. Um... Very good one, and no, there's yeah, there's a million fun ones, isn't there? And there's a million. Um, I mean, I think the Pretty Visitors ones like fun. I'm just it just that song or the drums just always amaze me in that because I just don't know. And I think I'm re- I think it yeah, uh, they just surprise me. I think uh, there's the drums on on um is it these not these for dangerous um dangerous animals. There's a drum fell in that as well, which is incredible. But but yeah, no, if like the fun ones, oh my god, yeah. We'd be here all night if we could go through like the little I think that like no other many other bands that you hear, their timing is so impeccable that they just have all these random stops in which anyone that has been in a band knows it's pretty hard to just have those kind of stops and starts and stops and start. Your timing has to be um impeccable really, doesn't it? To have those moments where you can just stop the music and start it up again. And they can do that live and it doesn't seem like they just seem to know like when they're all going to come back in it's weird uh, yeah uh, it's amazing I, I always put it down to the fact that they learn together and maybe they've kind of tuned in to each other's sound because they learn together and they've kind of just got on the same wavelength like uh, yeah it's almost telepathic isn't it yeah like you know you know women it's periods they Kind of spend so much time together, they they connect. I think the Arctic Monkeys have got the musical equivalent of that. <laughs> in their time. Um, I, I, would, I yeah. wouldn't know. I've 
I've never been near any women. I'm I'm Alex Turner <laughs> off the first album. I've, I've, women won't let me anywhere near, mate. Yeah, well, I'm Alex Turner off AM, so I can feel it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I evolved to that. No, um, no I'm Alex Turner on Second so City, the the ever um, <laughs> the loveless, the love sap. <laughs> yes, the, um, the wistful love yeah. sap. The wistful love sap. Yeah, that's me. The, the, the love, Simon. the love sap is a little place where we can get together. Oh, very nice. And on that note, I think <laughs> as we yes. go to our sixer lyric of the evening, that we yeah. accidentally. That is, um, and, and we're not even on Arctic Monkeys lyrics now. We're on uh, the B 52s lyrics. Which, <laughs> we should probably, probably oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I, Probably wrap it up before I move on yeah. to Rock Lobster. Right. Um, <laughs> if, if if you if you by by some miracle have tuned in and listened to this, thank you so much for listening. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter. Follow us at Arctic Podcast on Twitter, and you can email us. Get in touch, please. Just tell us what's going on. Not in your life. We're not interested in stuff like that. Well, we know a little bit, but. Just get in touch. We are Arctic Monkeys Podcast at gmail.com. And if you're lucky, we may read some of your comments out on the upcoming shows. We will be back next week with a yeah. deep dive into the Beneath the Boardwalk demos. That is the tracks that weren't album tracks on whatever people say I am. That's what I'm not. So we've got a fair bit to go out there. So we're off to go and listen to that on, on a loop now, aren't we? In our we are. Yeah, we'll be listening to it. And I should say as well that this, um, you know, this first one's a meet and greet is a bit free flowing. Um, whereas the other ones will be a bit more structured and a bit tighter as, as we go through the songs. But, um, well, much like early Arctic Monkeys, it was free flowing and and a bit punk. We just went for it. Um, whereas um, the next podcast will be more tranquility based and they'll be much more yeah. structured and well produced, is what I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> Jazz podcasting. Yeah. I almost said it's Terry Wogan then. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, thank you for anyone that that listened, and um, I think yeah, obviously we'll be doing the deep dives in the song, and I hope that you can join us. Come and join us for a little while. No, that's not. I didn't get lyric right, did I? Tried to do our last lyric. Tried to end it. <laughs> So, yeah. See, people need to know that we're not infallible. People are looking at us, thinking, yes. "Oh God, these look at these behemoths. These, these yeah. guys know the stuff." Well, we we know sod all. I think people are suspecting that we are Alex and Helders with some kind of, um, you know, something <laughs> over our faces. So they need to know that we can be wrong. We can be wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. come and join us for a little while. Oh, it's come and stay, isn't it? Come and stay with us. Yeah. I got it wrong twice, that's embarrassing. By the time we get round to that album, mate, you'll have got <laughs> yeah. it. Tune in next week uh, to see if I've got that, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and do not forget to like us and follow us on Spotify. And if I don't think there's a review function on Spotify, that's just on Apple and Google Podcasts. But just, Thank God. If you, if, you, if, you, if you do like it, tell someone about it. Tell a friend. If you don't have any friends, then just sidle up to a stranger on the bus and tell them about it. Because you never know, well, they might also I, be fans. I tell you what, if you think you've got no friends, if you're an Arctic Monkeys fan, you've got at least two friends to listen to every week. That is the best place to sign off. We will see you next week, folks, <laughs> where we will be discussing Beneath the Boardwalk. Say goodbye, Dan. Goodbye. Bye. I don't believe the hype is hosted and produced weekly by Nick Lee and Dan Holt. The music used in the titles is royalty-free music courtesy of Les FM. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcast player of choice to be notified every Wednesday when a new episode is released. And if you want to help us out further, be sure to like and review to help make us more visible to like-minded souls. We'll see you next week with more of the same.